to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you're listening. This week on the podcast, we have our first male species as a guest, and I'm so excited for you to hear him speak on the topic of shame. His name is Greg McKinney. He's a husband and a dad of four adorable kiddos. He's a student pastor, author, and the creator of content at Declare Glory. He's also the one who designed my website, holla. He did such a great job, and if you haven't checked out my website yet, there are a ton of cool resources on there for you to look at. It is waterwithlemonpodcast.com, so go look at it. Today, Greg is talking to us about shame, and he is super knowledgeable on this topic. I learned so much through my conversation with him, so I hope you guys will as well. I'm praying for each one of you as you listen in today. And hope that the Lord speaks to you in some way on this topic. I think more of us are experiencing shame in one form or another, whether we realize it or not. So I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Greg. So let's get on with it. Hey Greg, how's it going? It's going well. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you start us off, tell us a little bit about yourself, what your life looks like these days. Yeah, so I am a student pastor in Northwest Arkansas in Salem Springs, and I have been for about five years, going on six years now. Uh, I am married. I have a wonderful wife named Kate. We've been married for a little over six years, and we have a very busy life. Uh, not only am I a pastor, but I'm a, a dad to four crazy kids. <laughs> yeah. Four. How old are they again? Remind, remind me. Yeah. We have twins who are about to be five, and then a crazy two-year-old girl, and then a little... Uh, goodness, he's seven months. Oh Kate's going to hate me. It's probably not seven months. You know, he's younger. It's fine. It all it goes by so fast, right? I felt like right, he's born does. like yesterday, right? So He's tiny. <laughs> that's crazy. He's probably like five months, six months. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Time flies when you're having fun with a newborn too, you know? Oh, goodness, yeah. And when you have three others running around, so. Yep. That's awesome. I also know that you have kind of your own business going with Declare Glory. So would you mind just like explaining what that is and why you started it? Yeah, so that actually came about really randomly. A couple years ago, we were approaching the summer as a student ministry, and I wanted to, I just felt the burden to get my students into the Word. And the best way to do it, I love writing. I uh, have been writing ever since college and and fell in love with it. And so we just started writing devotionals for them, put it up on the internet, on my personal website that was attached just because we had been doing all the things with my book. Uh, So I had that. So I started writing devotionals, attached it to an Instagram account. And back then it was called Reading Truth. And started off. She reads truth. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awkward. You ready? Uh, So we started like that. I literally began and we had 40 followers and it was just so that they could be pointed to the devotions each and every day mm-hmm. uh, on their daily Instagram. So they all put it on their notifications. I started using hashtags and it blew up like no joke. Mm-hmm. It it got overwhelming because by the end we started on the study of Romans and by the end of the Roman study, 
we had 4,000 followers and all of them were asking for the beginning of the Roman study. Um, like we were getting like the uh, DMs all the time about it. Um, and so we were like, okay, maybe we should get these books printed. I had, uh, when I was in undergrad, I had to get my thesis printed. And so I knew a printing company. Mm-hmm. So I got those printed, started selling them. And a few months down the road, it had gotten over 10,000 followers. And that was the point when we were like, we really need to separate what we're doing. Cause there's a little bit of confusion between she reads truth or he reads truth and, <laughs> and truth. Um, and it was actually at an overwhelming place. And in my life, I didn't know what to do with it. It, had gotten overwhelming. If you do anything about social media, mm-hmm. it can get overwhelming. Um, but we prayed over it, uh, asked God what he wanted. And that's when declare glory came. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole point of it was with reading truth, we were behind the media. So mm-hmm. no one knew who Kate and I were, but when we transferred over to declare glory, we put our names on it. Uh, Greg and Kate McKinney, um, just because we wanted to do it with authenticity, we wanted to be the voice behind it. We wanted our family to be seen. Uh, and it is, it's been really cool to see the traction since then of just not the growth in following, but the growth in, um, engagement of our followers. Yes. I love that. I've loved being able, being able to just like follow along with that. And, um, it's cool to, you know, with social media now, I feel like, it can be used in such a great way. It's like a platform to be able to share truth. And so um, I love that y'all do that in like the scrolling and seeing, you know, all these like different ways that we could compare ourselves to other people. And then, oh, wait, like here's here's a little bit of truth. Oh, wait, you know, being reminded yeah. of that. So I appreciate all that you guys do. Um, it's been really cool to see. Yeah, it's been it's been hard to balance, but we've been doing it. So we have like four studies and are working on one now of printed studies and then just the little daily prayer devotions, whatever that we post on Instagram. Yeah, that's great. And so um, I think that could be a good resource and I'll make sure to like link it in the show notes and stuff for like somebody who um, maybe is like trying to learn how to study the word. Um, would you say that like your plans are pretty easy to like follow along with, with like studying scripture and then kind of having something to like go along with, uh, with oh, it? Sure. Yes. So I, I mean, you have to, I'm a pastor at heart. So everything I do, like I love teaching the word and not just teaching the word outside of the practice of teaching how to people can read the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I teach, uh, every study that we have, I want people to walk away not thinking that I walked them through the passage, but I gave them tools on how they could walk through the passage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I love teaching how to read the word as we teach the word. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it totally does. Because I feel like there is a lot of resources out there where it can be easy to just kind of like read and then read what somebody else wrote about it and not like take a second to like let the Lord speak to you in that. Um so I think that's really good to be able to like set people up for the ability to like sit with the Lord and have, have your own interpretation of it before you read somebody else's, you know, for sure. For sure. So that's awesome. I love that you do that. Um, and so today I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about shame, right? That's like yeah. something that you have explored a lot. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to you about that. So, uh, what, 
what like made you passionate about talking about shame? Yeah, so I I did uh, my undergrad thesis all about shame. I wanted to know sort of how it affected the the heart of the believer and uh, its role in our life, even though we're called unashamed. So that that piqued my interest because all my life I have battled, even though I've been a believer all my Christian life, um, even though I, I've known the truth of who Jesus says I am, mm-hmm. I constantly believe contrary to that. I constantly believe the opposite. And I say this all the time, but shame is funny because you say the word shame and everyone believes that only a certain type of person struggles with it. Mm. Shame is like that. Uh, I, <laughs> I say this. It's like when we're in middle school and you have to stand up and do a project over um, puberty. No one in middle school wants to stand up and do a project over puberty, but everyone in middle school is struggling with it. It's the same thing about <laughs> No one wants to talk about it, but everyone is struggling with it, and it it just looks different. Um, But at the heart of the believer, we feel guilty for what we do, but we feel shameful for who we are. Mm. And when we ever feel shame, that is not what the heart that that Jesus wants us to have, because often that keeps us crippled from being confident in our in our faith. Um, it, It keeps us crippled from saying yes when Jesus says go. Um, or, or from saying no, when our desires say yes. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So shame is, it's, it's a powerful thing. So I started studying it because there's a role that our enemy plays in speaking shame. Um, and so, yeah, years of studying in undergrad spent one huge year forming it all together. Um, but I love it. I'm passionate, passionate about shame. Yeah. Yeah, I love that analogy, too. Like, such a good analogy. Um, And so I love that you're going to talk about it and bring that, like, wisdom to us. So uh, could you start us off and just give us some of, like, the theology behind where shame originates? For sure. So whenever we talk about shame, we have to realize that there's a shamer, the the accuser. And Mm -hmm. so we have to constantly separate who I am now and the father that I have uh, in, in the Lord and who the father of the world is, the, the father of lies, the ruler of this, uh, of this earth, this fallen earth. Um, and I have to separate that because there is constantly so many truths of the gospel that shame can twist and we don't even realize how twisting it can be. And so this is one that, I, that I've realized in my students. So I'm a student mm-hmm. pastor. And uh, so I love this song. Okay, I do. Um, Relentless Love or Reckless Love. Yeah. Reckless Love. Love the song. But the sad thing is that we can latch on to some truths so much that we forget. And we forget the beautiful overarching truth of the gospel. So there's a a phrase that he chases down. uh, He'll leave the 99 for the one. Mm -hmm. And that was a truth of my life, right? He left the 99 to chase after the one. And one – in my past, I was the one mm-hmm. he chased after me. But the the shame that is found in all of our hearts is when we allow ourselves to still be victimized as the one mm-hmm. who needs to be chased after. When the reality is we're actually the 99 who are called to be praising God when that one comes home. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who are supposed to be with with the same heart of the Father who pursues the one. We are to be pursuing the one. But often we remain 
believing the lies that we're lost, we're not good enough, that we're worthless, that, that we still have to, to, to be better. And so we find ourselves constantly ostracized, outcast as the one who needs to be pursued by Jesus. When really he says, no, you're redeemed. You need to do the pursuing. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to realize your role in the 99 to live in the kingdom of God. Um, so theologically, all of that began, that sort of shift and in, in brokenness in our mind, the way that we, we think, it all began at the fall. Mm. Really, when, uh, when God said, don't eat the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil, and when Adam and Eve ate it, instantly, Scripture says that they, they saw and when it says they saw, it's not like they, they saw something clearer than they once saw. It's actually the opposite. Uh, when you look at the wording, it's really cool. Um, I go through this in, in my book. It's as if everything they once known, had known as real, as true, was instantly undone. And for the first time, they saw life outside of God. Before in the gospel, when or before in creation, when... He created everything and named it good. They saw everything in the lens of God. They saw a tree and knew instantly, like that was formed by my father's hand. They saw each other. It was made to the image of God. Everything they saw, they they could see God in and out of it. As Colossians says, he holds all things together. He's in and through all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to believe that they saw that. But instantly when the fruit of the tree of good and, and evil was eaten, it was undone. And when something is without God, it is shameful. Mm-hmm. And then that's the truth of it. And so sadly, Adam and Eve became shameful because they could now see trees without God through them. They could now see, Adam could now see Eve without God being in the lens. Mm-hmm. And so now lust comes in, or he could see himself or she could see herself, and now insecurity comes in. And, and the truth is, they were shameful. But the heart of the gospel is that Jesus came, and he who was not sin, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become righteous. That has been undone. The veil has been torn. The separation between God and man has been taken care of. And all that we once were, being shameful, has been demolished. Mm-hmm. We are now unashamed again. But we have so many lies that we still believe attached to that idea of I cannot see God in everything. And so it must be shameful. Yeah. So we like live in this space, right, of like, like you said, the one who we, the victim still, like the one and there's the other 99 that we think we still need saving. But he's like, no, I've already done that, right? Look and see what I've already done. And so... Um, but you said often it is because of lies, right, that we tend to live in that space. And so could you maybe take us through like some of those lies or like signs um, that maybe we're experiencing in yeah, shame? Sure. So it's really crazy. Often, so if we take it in a psychological sense, there are wounds that we have in our life Um that can be traced all the way back to a childhood wounds or, or things like, for instance, I say this, this is a really good example. My wife had a hard time worshiping so freely. She was made fun of by her voice saying that she wasn't a good singer. I remember times when uh, constantly being spoken that things weren't good enough. And as the enemy starts allowing that to happen in our life, then 
that becomes a seeded, deep-rooted lie in us. And so it, it, it's different with each person, but it could be you are not good, you are not able, you are not clean, you are not pure, you will never be. Uh, you can try hard enough. If you try hard enough is also a shameful lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's just, I mean, it depends on the person uh, what their shameful lie is. But it's one thing that I do as a pastor is when we, whenever we approach people, especially those who do not know Jesus, if we can discover what they're believing that is a lie, it's often so connected to this answer that Jesus has for them. And it really shapes how I share the gospel uh, from a girl who feels like she can never love or can never be loved. That's a shameful lie. Hmm. And apart from Jesus, you will never know love. But he, the, the gospel is the, the doorway to love. And so, I don't know, we, if that makes sense, there's so many different kinds of lies. Yeah. It's, like you said, it just depends on like the person in figuring out what that is that like the enemy like constantly tells you, right? Right, um, right. I think I was going to throw this one in there of what's the difference in guilt and shame? Yes. So Lewis Smedes is an author and he said it the best. And I, I said it, I referenced it earlier. So guilt is that, that feeling that we have when we've done something wrong. Guilt is a godly, like that's a good thing. There, mm-hmm. there is a godly sorrow that happens with, with guilt. And that is, I realize I've done something wrong and I'm repenting to turn from it. Shame is when we realize that I am the wrong and that's not who I am anymore. My <laughs> essence is not wrong anymore. Like, but on this side of, of salvation, Jesus says you have been bought with a price. I have, I'm like, there's no condemnation in me. I am more than a conqueror. And so every time that I say and believe that I am the wrong, only more will come from it. Um, I write this in my book, but actually, um, when a prisoner goes into prison, um, let's say a sex offender or a murderer, um, and they are trying to work with and uh, they do a lot of counseling. And I was studying this and researching the kind of counseling that they use for behavior therapy. And it's interesting because one of the things that they they have to do is allow the inmate to forgive themselves because if they don't forgive themselves and they constantly keep seeing themselves as a murderer Hmm. then they've realized when they're let go when they're out a thief when he's let out he will fall back into that habit because he has not undone his label as being a thief does that make sense yeah totally and so they, they work on behavior therapy and and try to not only allow empathy to go into the who they victimized, but also uh, this freeing aspect of what I have done cannot label me any further. Mm. And so as believers, like we have the ultimate undoing because Jesus paid the price. And so all that I was is not who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to, and I shouldn't be bonded to it, yeah. controlled by it, chained by it. Right. And so practically, like as believers... That is truth. Like, that is what Jesus did, and and we are set free from shame because of that. And so in the everyday, um, in our, just our everyday lives, in, in battling between 
uh, the lies of the enemy and that truth? How do you think, like, practically we come to that place where we can, like, forgive ourselves and cling to truth? Like, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think realizing, recognizing where our shame is coming from, and a lot of us don't even realize it's there. And so uh, there's, like, different – I wrote in my book, there's tons of ways that our shame – shows itself, but there's a few key ones that you can find in, in people. And so, um, one is a prisoner of the past, just someone who constantly like cannot not see when they look at their life, when they look in the mirror, they cannot not see their sin of their past. Mm-hmm. And that, that person will never be able to have the freedom and, and the step into the calling or even be able to begin speaking truth into those who are struggling with what they did struggle with mm-hmm. if they do not overcome the shame. And, and uh, so for the prisoner of the past, it, this is a hard practice to do, but to be able to see, to visually see everything that I have done in the past through the lens of the cross. Mm-hmm. That one day, like, because it's, it's a sad reality. If I ever saw someone who struggled with what I once was shameful of doing in my past, if I ever saw someone who is currently struggling with it, I would have so much empathy and grace. Mm-hmm. And so the prisoner of the past constantly has to, to remind their soul, I will know that I am done with shame when I can freely say, if I had a time machine and I could go back in time, I wouldn't change what I did, but instead I would just love on my younger self. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I would just be there to comfort because the reality is I can't change it. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is start loving myself because of it. Um, another person, uh, the future pursuer, someone who constantly thinks that one day I should be a great man or I should be that great woman or like my life will be better when I get that good job or I should be the provider or I should be uh, like good enough and I will when that happens. And you always, let's say young 20s, when you get that degree – when you get out of college, your life should be better. But the reality is you will always attach what will make your life better to the future. Even when you get that degree, now it'll be when I get the job that I want. Then it'll be when I get to the position that I want. You know, And it'll constantly be up. And the future pursuer doesn't realize that they can be enough now. And so they're constantly looking for the future things. Um, another one is a, a constant compare. Um, my wife also... Often she she's, will claim this. She struggles with comparing herself, and it's not comparing herself to other people. It's comparing herself to this idea of what life should be like. And so she creates this, I, this fantasy of who she would be now if things were different. Um, and the reality is God is not in that made-up reality. She, he's not in her, her fantasy of what things could be if she had that life. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is in the reality now. And so for the constant compare, you have to realize he's not in the, in the fantasy that you're creating and comparing and creating with all those comparisons. He's in the reality that you're in. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be blessings because where God is, he works, he blesses, he's, he's at work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and another one, a heavy plater. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, these are the overly responsible people that constantly think I will be good enough when I have a lot to do. And when they don't have enough to do, they feel like it, it comes back on their who they are as a, 
as a believer, who they are as a person. I'm not good enough unless I have all of these tasks. And these are the people who keep taking 18 hours in school because they think they have to, but really it's stressing them out. And if they took 15, they would literally think that they were a less person. And we can laugh about that, but the reality is we struggle with Mm -hmm. being overly responsible. But it's because we have this mentality, the more I do equals the more I am, the better I am. And then the last one uh, that I write about, um, and obviously there's a ton of these that it could be, uh, is the approval addict. I will be good when they say I'm good. And they fight for approval. Um, Girls will do this. Guys do this in relationships. Um, I will give them the reins of my validation and... When they say that I'm pretty, I will be pretty. Um, On social media, the likes that I get, uh, this person constantly struggles with the belief that I am when they say I am. Um, And all of those are are shame. Like That's just the way that shame is and the lies that the enemy um, will work in. Dang. (laughs) I'm sorry that was so much, and you can cut it out if you need to. No, I'm taking it in, Greg. I'm like, I think I might be like four out of the five of those. Yeah, constantly, yeah. Um, If this helps, the pursuit of perfection is one of the biggest, like they can all go together in that pursuit of perfection. And that's one of the biggest shameful lies. I have to be perfect. Because what Jesus says we're to be holy. We're to be perfect as a heavenly father is perfect. And that's just not like a, a we need to pursue perfectness. It, it's a present reality already on us. We need to rest on the fact that in Jesus, we have been perfected. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so instead of pursuing these, these outside things, whether for the heavy plater, it's I will be perfect when I have more things <laughs> or I will be perfect when I have that approval. Mm-hmm. We need to pursue the one who already says that we are that. It's good. It's so good. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to identify, you know, oh, man, yeah, that is what I have been pursuing and realizing, like, those things are never going to satisfy you. And so because of that, like you said, um, I need to turn to the one who's already telling me that I am enough, already telling me I don't have to do all these things in order to earn God's love. So in that, now that we've identified, like, this is maybe where your shame is rooting from. How can we kind of just like give ourselves grace in that? Yeah, I have a whole chapter actually called Gracing Yourself. I liked like brace yourself, but you know, grace instead. Um, <laughs> it's funny. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so <laughs> really the whole heart behind it is throughout the, the New Testament, you see – the word grace used over and over grace and peace to you grace and peace to you grace and peace to you and we are have become really good at offering grace to others except to ourselves. and like the same grace that we are to bestow on others when they're in sin is the same grace that we are to bestow on us and i think one of the most freeing yet scary truths is that we are all in process and we need to begin to be okay with the fact that God is still shifting and changing and, Mm -hmm. and transforming us. I say it's scary because the enemy can be like, well, you know, if he's still shifting and changing, then it's okay to, you know, compromise today because, you know, tomorrow will be better. Mm -hmm. But the, the flip side is we need to offer grace when today was just a bad day. 
and stop saying that it undoes all of the good that we did yesterday. No, it's okay to just say this was a bad day Mm. and it's okay. You know, there's freedom in saying I need to realize that despite my failures, God is here. And so I do a lot of, I do a practice. Um, there's, there's a thing called sol- silence and solitude, getting alone, mm-hmm. spending time with God in his word. Um, but some of the most beautiful times of silence and solitude I can ever have is when I literally, uh, I have to do an, it's like an out of body experience when I, when I'm sitting down and I literally say, okay, Greg, I'm going to stand up and look at the setting down, Greg, and realize outside of me, life is still happening. Mm-hmm. I'm so stressed inside, but things are still moving outside. You know, like God is still at work. And as I'm sitting there, like either I'm meditating on a passage, it's that that idea of just being able to pause and just sit and say, because you're here right now, because I know that the trees are still blowing, life is still happening, love is still working, Mm. I'm okay. And because I'm okay, I can get up and I can do what you've called me to do. I can get up and I can move beyond that. Does that make sense? I know that's really like weird, but we don't do it. Yeah. We don't sit down and pause and become okay. Right. We don't spend time and and have this conversation with the Lord and his word. Yeah. And just come back to like truth, right? It's easy just to keep letting these things like um boil over inside of us right instead of just like taking a moment to like sit and say okay and just like having a conversation with the lord i did this this morning so this is very relatable of like this is what i feel and these are the lies that i'm believing and i need your help because i know what you say about me but i don't really believe it right now and so like will you help me in that yeah did you say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> Good. No, honestly. Or I, or I write it out. It depends right, on yeah. the moment. No, it's it's really weird. So a lot of people feel like they're talking to God because they just feel bad and they just keep saying, like, I don't like the way I'm feeling, but we never actually address it in our prayer life to God. And so that's another thing. Like when we're talking about shame, like sometimes I have to speak out. God, I'm just overwhelmed and I don't like how I feel and I'm just anxious and there's a lot of bad thoughts going on in my mind. And when I speak it out, then I can start claiming actually what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a real prayer. It's not like walking outside thinking, oh, it feels really good. No, it's an actual prayer that says, Jesus, you've created a beautiful day outside. Thank you. There's a difference in that, you know, mm-hmm. and we often just allow, I don't know, our prayer life to not really do anything to our struggle of shame because we just think about it instead of actually talking and praying Mm. and listening. So kudos to you. Journaling is great. Speaking it out to Jesus for Mm -hmm. sure. I journaling, I love journaling because I can go back and kind of like see, Oh man. Yeah. I was in that space or whatever, but um, yeah, I agree with you in the fact that a lot of times we just think we're talking to God about it, but we're not actually like taking a second to talk to him whether that is like out loud or um, in a journal or whatever, we're just thinking we're not actually, he already knows our heart. So it's not like he needs us to verbalize it, but there's right. something, there's like some, some different p- 
power that is given whenever we're able to just like say it out loud you know and like speak truth over lies in our head there's so much that is going on in our brain so um yeah i agree that could be like a whole other topic couldn't it oh (laughs) uh that's great and then uh i remember we talked a little bit about um just kind of how god sees us as jars of clay and there's a lot of scripture on that but um could you kind of talk about that and um, how it relates to shame yeah, so my whole book is actually called More Than Clay um, because it was just that, that iconic that iconic little metaphor of us being jars of clay and there being a, a treasure hidden inside um, all throughout. I mean, that's what Paul writes to the Corinthians, um, that we could be hard flexed from every, from every side but not uh, broken, you know, persecuted. We can be, you know, but not destroyed, you know, that whole little section. And it can be really good, but I have noticed in my own life the enemy twisting that view of the outer clay because I look at it and it's just ugly, right? Like clay is just normal. And often I look at my own life and I see the scratches and the dents caused by things that I have done. And so often we fixate on the outside of this clay jar looking at how mundane or not good enough or or well it is when the reality is the treasure and the beauty that has now been put in because of, of Christ, because the Holy Spirit indwells, he's within me. And the beauty is that when a clay jar has a crack and then there's something shining through it, you can literally see it in the crack, like, right? Like you can literally see. And, and so that, that has become my testimony. That has become your testimony. All of the cracks and the ways at which your life was broken, his glory has shown through and it will continue to. Um, and so that's a beautiful aspect. We're more than clay. Um, just the fact that I can be okay with not being beautiful and ornate on the outside or enough seemingly on the outside, because the reality is I have, I have the spirit in me and he constantly shines through that. Mm hmm. That's good. That's real good, man. I love that. <laughs> I just keep taking these pauses because I'm like, yes, taking it in. Could you give us maybe some scripture to help us understand either scripture to kind of combat lies that we believe or just in general, like how to be, how we are already set free from shame? Yeah. Um, so I freaking love Isaiah. The whole last aspect uh, the, of Isaiah from like 40 to the end of the book is just really good because it starts foretelling the coming of Jesus. And it, the the prophet just starts writing all rewritten on it because of the, the messenger coming and then the Holy One, his servant, will come. And there's some clear things when he talks about uh, us forgetting the reproach of our widowhood, us forgetting the shame of our youth. It will be no more. There's like this whole section of what will happen when the the righteous servant will come, the messenger will come. Mm-hmm. So it is Isaiah 54. Okay. And it says, uh, "Do not be fr- do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. You will do not fear disgrace because you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood." your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called God of all the earth. And it keeps going on. 
And there's a really beautiful shift that happens in the book of Isaiah. You'll start noticing Jesus is referred to as the, the righteous servant. And by the end, the word servant is made plural. And it's not righteous servant anymore. It's righteous servants. And after this this moment of all that it's talking about what that servant will do for the people of Israel, it's now lumping the servant with Israel being called his righteous servants. And it's a really neat shift as if you just read and just meditate over 54 all the way to uh, like the end of the book. It's really neat every time you do a study on the word servant and then it, then it gets pluralized instantly. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, and then the New Testament, there's tons of places. I mean, Romans is packed full of beautiful things about our sin being no more, mm-hmm. about us being uh, being re- redone. Colossians uh, writes about us being qualified to be a part of the kingdom of light. He has made us qualified. So those who are believing they're not qualified, uh, he just speaks into it. Um, and then... There's some pieces of what God's grace does um, all throughout. If you want to do a word study on the word grace and what his grace does to us, um, that's a beautiful thing to do. Because anytime you feel shame, do a word study of every verse that talks about what God's grace does for us. Because that, the enemy cannot speak Mm. over his grace. And so there's, like, he gives us great power in Acts 4, it shows that uh, he gives us power to do great things. He gives us salvation. He builds up and he, he's offered us inheritance. Uh, uh, and so throughout, and I can, if you want, I could just send you all these verses and you could just have them. Yeah. I would in love the that. notes. Yeah. There's a ton. Uh, he gives us purpose. There's one, 1 Corinthians 3.10, boldness and power over the enemy in Romans 15. Uh, so there's just, there's good step. All throughout yes. the gospel. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, just like open your Bible and you're going to see. So much. I know. I was reading the questions to my wife and can you give us some verses? And, and Kate was like, nope, there's none. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think of a single one on that topic. Nope. <laughs> the whole gospel. Just read all the gospels <laughs> and you'll see it. That's so good. Uh, Okay, so this is kind of a hard question. It always trips people up, but what's like one overarching thing that you would want 20-somethings to understand around shame? Okay, so this is going to be really random and throw it a loop. You cannot battle it alone is probably the best thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So the beauty of the gospel is you were, one, a lost person, alone, separated from God and man for eternity. We, we, were, we were damned to hell, and we were brought in. By faith in Jesus, we were brought into a community. My life and my relationship with Jesus is now intimately connected with his church. The only way to battle the lies of shame is when we do it with his church, the fullness of God. Mm. And so if you are 20-something and you are trying to believe the the truth of the gospel over you, the enemy will always isolate you and and bring you outside because like, that's not where we're supposed to read the truth. We're Mm -hmm. supposed to be in truth with the community of God. And so tell your story of shame, speak it out, be vulnerable in community with people, and then begin living all of these things 
with God's people. I know that sounds really, really easy, but yet it's overlooked. Mm-hmm. We keep things like we, we, or we tell one person and, and we don't tell the church. We don't, we don't bring it up in, in multiple people. Um, and I feel like we miss an aspect of God's fullness, his richness when we do that. Yes. I like that you brought up that I feel like the enemy's number one goal is just to like make us feel alone and isolated in anything and everything. And so I love that. And we've talked about vulnerability on the podcast. Um, We talk about it a lot, but um, it's just so important because again, it's like when we speak those things out loud of like, this is what I'm believing. um, Will you fight alongside me in it? It's like we have given the enemy zero room there anymore because we have believers fighting alongside of us who can pour in truth into us whenever we can't find it ourselves right 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 so if you if you are a listener and you've been struggling with a sin struggle that only a small amount of people know or only one i would say the most powerful thing that you can do is begin sharing that or even of your past and you're like i've just forgotten about it and it's just down there it's not happening in my life anymore but yet you haven't told anyone then the enemy will always allow shame to happen because mm-hmm. i've been the most freeing thing in my life is every single time i share the uncensored version of my testimony and i see with grace so many eyes looking at me and loving me and saying, that's not who you are. That is when I know, okay, God is real. Like this, this is true. And so I, I mean, people need that and they don't, they don't ever be vulnerable enough to feel the grace of God through other people. Mm-hmm. Because of course, Emma, if you told me your sin from your past, I wouldn't be like, yeah, that's still you. <laughs> Instead I would <laughs> offer, you know, I would offer you grace Mm-hmm. And each and every time that you feel that from God's people, you begin to believe it more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, how it's, much it's very... more does He have that for us? Like, if right. if another human sinner is giving you grace, like, how much more is our Father doing that for us? Right, right. Who has yeah. no judgment um, or no condemnation for that? You know. Right. Oh, so good. Um. <laughs> Okay, are there any, like, resources? I know, obviously, your book, once you tell us about that, or you've already talked about it. Are there any, like, resources you could put in our hands around the topic? Yeah, uh, so, yeah, like you said, my my book, it's Living Life Unashamed. It's The title is More Than Clay, um, so it's all about battling shame. But for the, I mean, I was thinking 20-something female listener, uh, Brene Brown has a lot of good stuff on uh, being authentic, being mm-hmm. vulnerable. Um, there's one called Daring Greatly, a book. Another one called The Power of Vulnerability. Um, and each of those, though it doesn't, the title doesn't say shame on it. The the reality is, we we often call fear something different than shame. When a lot of the times they're like very similar. We are afraid because we are shameful and you know, like we, we are, we struggle with shame. And so the, the fruit of that is fear, you know? Uh, and so she's really good. It's a really good reads. Um, yeah. So those two, I would say. Yeah. I like those for sure. Okay. And then last question I always ask everyone is what is refreshing you these days? Yeah. <laughs> so usually it's so funny because 
well, I forgot to say this, but you're the first male we've ever had, so that's pretty fun. So congratulations, you win the award of the first male species on the podcast. But You know, something actually funny. I have spoken at two girls' retreats because shame. And girls, this is interesting, girls and then the – Honestly, the black community of America are the only ones who admit to the fact that they struggle with shame. Hmm. That's so interesting. Literally, my book blew up in in uh, yeah in the black community of America. Like they they own the fact that the enemy's at work, and enemies at work and how they see themselves. And I think us white males need to realize how much shame mm-hmm. we feel in trying to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, girls girls are great at realizing it so i'm i'm welcome welcome among the females talking about shame yes yes you are that's so funny and uh respect for that as like as far as like the black community like that's so awesome uh they're open about that and i think with guys it totally is the fact that like being vulnerable is probably the scariest thing in the entire world for men and so if I know like maybe three guys that total that have told me they've listened to my podcast, but hey, so maybe can get more. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Who knows? It's fine. We're all are welcome, you know. Uh, yeah. But it's just funny because this question I feel like is a little bit girly, but uh, there's got to be things that are refreshing you these days, right? Right. Um, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. Uh, probably females will connect with this. Uh, the, 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 uh, I'm going to botch the name of this on Netflix, the great British baking show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, have you, is that what it's called? I the, haven't seen it. I don't know. Oh my goodness. It is addicting. It is so refreshing. Like literally after a stressful day, you just want to listen and watch that because when they make really cool things, baking, and also, like, the music, it's not competitive. It's not like, bomb, bomb, bomb. You're just like, this is refreshing. This is nice. Okay, that <laughs> was my unspiritual. people bake. It's so good. It's a, so it's a competition. They're trying to find the great, you know, British baker <laughs> of each season. You laugh. You're going to watch it. I know you are. I will, honestly. Um, anyway, so that's my unspiritual one. Uh, obviously, I mean – I, well, this is going to sound unspiritual, but running refreshes me. And the reason is there's often when I have realized the most shameful times of my life are times when I um, don't begin caring for myself. And the ability to get out on my own and run without anything, Jesus just meets me there. And he meets me there because I love running and I just find so much joy in it. But yet, I often um, become too overwhelmed with like my life or busyness that I don't do it. And so my wife knows me and and she's like, you just need to go on a run. You need to go on a run. And it's not this like energy. I need to get out energy or get out stress. But literally Jesus has just allowed runs to be such an intimate time for me and him. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that, that is when I'm most angry at God. That's when I'm most uh, broken about sin or and he always speaks and sometimes in silence he speaks, you know, like in just in the fact that he's not and, and it's just peaceful. And so I would say that's really refreshing to me is running without any music. Um, 
And then another one, uh, coffee is really refreshing to me. Anything where I can just be with me and my wife and not four kids is refreshing to me. True, <laughs> true. Babysitters are refreshing. <laughs> You don't have to put this, but wine is refreshing to me. <laughs> no, we can all relate. Yesterday, after building all of this, I sat down and I was holding my baby. Um, and he's just smiling at me because you could tell he just missed me. And Aww. I'm drinking wine while I was holding him. And I said, this is literally amazing, Kate. He's smiling and I'm drinking wine. This is the best thing. Like, this, this is. is best. Let's just stay right here in this moment. Do not right, mess this want... up. All the other kids are asleep. They're not talking. It's just him smiling and me drinking wine. <laughs> this is my moment. Please don't no one interrupt it. <laughs> I love that. I can see how that would be refreshing to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Greg, uh, for taking the time. And I really appreciate you coming on. I think girls and maybe guys are really going to be able to relate to some of these things. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Okay, party people, raise your hand if you realized you're experiencing shame. Raise your hand if you had no idea that you're experiencing it. Yeah, I feel ya. I loved having Greg on the podcast today, and I hope you enjoyed his conversation as much as I did. If you want to learn more about the topic of shame, go get Greg's book, More Than Play. You can find it on his website, Declare Glory, or you can go to the link in my profile, because I've got it there. Greg is giving my listeners 20% off of his book if you type in the promo code WWL20, like water with lemon, 20% off. So go to the link in my profile. When you get to his website, you'll type in the promo code and get 20% off. Holla! So go get it, people. Thanks for listening in, and stay fresh, my people.